0: Hello again, this is Alan, host of The Vinyl Crawl, and if you're as fed up with politics as I am right now, because I can't take any more of this Trump bullshit, go to bullmoose.com and order the DVD that we are talking about on this episode. It's Pink Floyd, Live at Pompeii. They have it in stock. They actually have a pre-owned even for 10 bucks. You can't beat that at all. Uh, it's a fantastic concert film, one of the best out there. And, you know, you'll hear in just a bit me and Matt both gush over it because we love it so much. Uh, But it's Pink Floyd Live at Pompeii on DVD. They've got it at bullmoose.com, or you can check them out on Twitter, at bullmoose. This episode we talk about, like I was saying, Pink Floyd Live at Pompeii, which has never had an official audio release on vinyl, but there's a lot of, you know, a little bit... mm, Behind-the-scenes kind of vinyl releases of it out there that you can check out, so it's not too hard to find. Uh, but I, I fully say you should watch the movie, you should listen to it on vinyl, do it, you know, check it out any way you can because it's an incredible concert film and and just audio recording. Uh, so we're talking about that and drinking a beer from Minnesota called Surly Furious. So enjoy. Welcome to The Vinyl Crawl, your weekly podcast, bi-weekly podcast, whenever we, I guess, put it out, podcast that week about about beer and vinyl records. I'm your host, Alan Miller, joined by Matt Pfefferkorn. Hello. Hey there, Matt. We have two things near and dear to my heart to talk about today. Yeah. One, I guess first we can talk about the beer.
1: Yeah, that's near and dear to my heart, too.
0: Surly Furious Beer out of Minnesota. Yep. Now, I came into this beer maybe before you did. Probably. Did I know about this one before you did, po- yeah. possibly? One of the only beers I think I've <laughs> ever known about before you did. When I went on vacation yeah. to Minnesota around 2013 or 14, um, this was like all the rage. Yeah. Everybody was drinking Surly. You could only get it in Minnesota at the time, I believe. Probably. And now you, it's like branched out to to neighboring states around Minnesota. You picked this up in Illinois, Illinois, Chicago, yeah, last week. But this is a fantastic IPA. Only it comes in a can,
1: sixteen ounce, sixteen ounce can. A tall boy, yeah. As the sipping on a
0: tall boy, as widespread panic would say. I'm not sure. I'm not sure <laughs> y'all have to follow you and agree on that. Yeah. Um, as our widespread panic. Authoritative voice for the podcast.
1: Yeah, I guess Are, you. You
0: were, a big, you were a big Panic fan, right? At like back one time. In the day, yeah. Ninety two. They call them Panic 90. fanatics. Is that what? Where? What's the spreadheads? Really?
1: Widespread panic. Spreadheads. Spreadheads. <laughs> heads? Think so. That
0: sounds gross. I don't know. This is a hot mic, just to remind you. So okay. don't be saying anything too gross. No locker room talk. No locker room. None talk. of this gotcha. stuff on the, it's A hot okay. mic.
1: Hot mic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but this beer, getting back on on the on topic here, right? This beer is one of my favorite IPAs, easily.
1: It's a good one, um, and I was happy to see it on the shelves in Chicago. I had a lot of good beer up there. Yeah, Revolution IPA is another good one. Fist City um, Daisy Cutter was another one that I was glad to try, but this one. When I saw that on the shelves, like the back, the back lit, it just lit up and
0: the the light bulbs came out and everything. Oh, wow. You you saw Jesus (laughs) in this can of beer.
1: (laughs) Maybe it's because I drank a four pack. I don't know.
0: (laughs) That's fair enough. Yeah. But it's, this is actually great beer. You know, for as full flavored as it is, it's pretty light on the alcohol. It's only a 6.6%. Yep. But to me, to describe the flavor, they say that it is Scottish malt with American hops, um, waves of citrus, pine, and caramel toffee. I agree with I every that. single yeah. thing on that can.
1: The Scottish hops kind of scared me when I read that because yeah. I'm like, ooh, it's not going to be my style. Right. But they're, I don't know. I don't even really taste them that much.
0: I don't either. You I know? don't either. I'm not me, sure what they're doing for it to be honest. It might yeah. just be the coloring, it might be something be. to do with that.
1: It's more that American IPA that Yeah. I love.
0: But you know like we we talk about West 6 IPA a lot cuz that's kind of our go-to. It's local. Yeah. yeah. Relatively local. It's right. in Lexington, uh Kentucky. And this is to me like taking West 6 IPA and rounding it out to give it more more overall flavor instead of just the really hard citrus and yeah, hard yep. like West 6 IPA is great because it's it's a good IPA to judge others by mm-hmm. cuz it's a really straight on IPA like it is it's, yeah. it's super hoppy it's floral it has the citrus notes it has a lot of pininess to mm-hmm. it but it's just that's it it's just yeah. a straight IPA whereas this has like you get more of that that caramel toffee Across thing the they are talking about and all the other flavors around it. It has muted versions of what the West 6 IPA has. Yeah.
1: But, I need to go back and try the Citra Ass Down yeah. that we have sampled, because I think it's similar to something like this as far as that balance.
0: Probably. You know? Which the Citra Ass Down, if I remember correctly, ha- did have a lot more citrus to it. I mean, hence the name of what yeah. they were it and whatnot. Yeah. But I, to me, I, it seems like it had more... Of the like lemon and like yeah, I don't remember being as cutting
1: as West Six is.
0: Yeah, no, West Six is definitely it it cuts pretty hard. But I like it. I do too. It's it's my go-to. I like this too. I wish to God we could get Surly Local. Yeah. Because I feel like this would be maybe the go if price if price did not make a difference. This would be the go-to. I think the four pack was like ten bucks or something. Oh, that's great. Nine ninety-nine. Yeah, for four pints of beer. That's yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. What are you going to do? That's the best.
1: You're going to drink it. You're going to drink and you're it. you're going to drink a lot of it.
0: <laughs> and you're going to enjoy it. Uh, so the album we're talking about, which really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the beer, but that's okay. The album we're talking about is Pink Floyd's Live at Pompeii. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Uh, the, the spot music. of a
0: very furious gets, volcano. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's it a little furious. Yeah. <laughs> Vesuvius, is that the name of the volcanoes? So, Furious. I'm not even going to try to mix those two. But anyhow, yeah, Live at Pompeii. Never had an official release. Was a concert movie where Pink Floyd got a head full of acid and a head full of ideas and decided to fly all of their shit to Pompeii (laughs) and have a giant concert in an abandoned... Amphitheater from the what, fourteen 1500s, I don't know it's from ages ago. Yeah, but they had a giant concert just for themselves and their family and their roadies, and it was all filmed by a French director in a very artful manner, and it's insane.
1: It's yeah, absolutely. It insane, really is in the
0: best way possible.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. And it's like when I went back to revisit it a little bit, I started thinking about that time period and how.
0: Pre dark side.
1: Yeah, pre dark side. Just
0: just pre dark side.
1: But even for music in that time period, it was like nothing that had ever been done before. Like the last night when we were talking about Birds of Fire. Yeah. That was seventy two also. Right. And well, I guess this was technically seventy one, wasn't it? Yeah. It came out seventy two. Whatever. Yeah. But both of those like so cutting edge of like that was Jazz at the time, mm-hmm. birds of fire, like mind blowing, craziness. And this mind blowing, craziness.
0: We we were at a point in time where the psychedelic art of the sixties, the psychedelic music of the sixties, was starting to hit a crossroads with the hard rock of the seventies. Yeah. And they began to put the two together to try to make mm-hmm. more art out of it. Right. And try to go beyond, you know, Johnny be good. and and donovan into some kind of you know they were they're going beyond they're going beyond blues you know they're going Uh beyond all of these you know this the stones were if we if we put them up against the stones what they were doing at the time the stones are still treading the same water of blues rock and hard rock yeah they were getting more bluesy even they were more like swampy i guess with their with their blues yeah let it bleed but where they were focused more on the songwriting and the song structure and things like that, Floyd were like, I'm sure they were looking at what can and some of these other bands were doing in the krautrock scene. You think I think so. You think so? Because Floyd kept trying to get more and more experimental. I don't yeah. really know who was pushing that at the time. I know that after Sid left, they were kind of just spinning. They didn't right. know what to do. Yeah, so they were trying to find that sound that. That would coalesce on mm-hmm. Dark Side and become the Pink Floyd sound.
1: And it's hard. It, it it was hard to tell in the movie to see who is the one pushing it. It could be Waters. It,
0: it really feels like Waters
1: because in the, those studio settings, he was doing a lot of experimental
0: and weirdness. And this is away from if you're just if you're thinking. So the soundtrack in the movie are kind of two separate entities, a little bit too. Yeah. Because the soundtrack, you're just going to get really awesome live cuts of. What they were playing live at the time, which was their stuff from metal and their stuff from Saucer Full of Secrets mm-hmm. and more and all of that stuff. So you're you're gonna get um, a version of uh, Careful With That Axe that they call Mademoiselle Knobs. They call it a different yeah. they always called that a different title. Right. It's a different title in Zabriskie Point. It's called Come In Number 51. Ooh, yeah, I forgot about Heartbeat Pig Meat, all that stuff. Yeah. It's got different titles everywhere, but on yes. this it's called Mademoiselle Nobbs. So you're going to get a version of that, which is, it's kind of odd to me that they played that song. I wonder if they did it just for effect of like how, how big that song gets and like to do it in that setting was really cool with the lava flowing and stuff like that. True. Yeah. But that song was kind of tired by that time. They'd been playing it since 68, 69. Yeah. They were kind of over it. It
1: almost had a fresh sound to it within that other material. True.
0: Very true. Um, there's a you know, there's a great version on one of these days from metal. Yeah. They were really pushing metal hard at the time. Right. That's what they've been yep. touring on. So you get one of these days, you get the film and the soundtrack both open and close with echoes. You get echoes part one, echoes part two. Which on metal, you know, it's hard to listen to echoes from metal once you've heard echoes from Live at Pompeii. Because you get yeah. a studio version with both. Both sound studio. Yeah. But the one at Pompeii is so epic. Yeah. It's it's just massive.
1: The sounds and just playing within that arena. I mean, you know, uh, I'm sure once all their stuff was set up and they start playing, you're just feeling the energy.
0: I can't imagine what it would... Because there were actually some locals that snuck in. Yeah. And sat and watched them play. I can't imagine. Oh, man. Because... I mean, there's speakers everywhere. It's huge. It's like a giant rock show.
1: Way too much equipment.
0: And is that, but but is it not the coolest idea to just play a show for no one? Like they're just playing for themselves. Right. You know, they're all out there with shirts off and bare feet and that, yeah. Fucked up. They're Um, all high as shit. Like all their eyes are droopy. Yeah.
1: That, you know, what I. I can't remember what song it is but it's more it reminded me of what the Grateful Dead would do with space or feedback you're thinking about
0: Saucer Full of Secrets
1: yeah yep Um, you know they have the constant groove the drum Mm -hmm. groove one point he starts banging on that gong which oh, is a man. great shot it really film, is you know but gilmore is there like bare feet jeans and a t-shirt and he's like conjuring up all these crazy ass that's
0: you know a lot of people give floyd shit because they weren't as progressive as like say can or king crimson or some of these other bands that were far more into the prog rock realm. Yeah. and floyd. floyd always had a little more of a pop edge to him. But that version of Saucerful of Secrets... Oh, man. You know, Saucerful was back when they were still thinking along the lines of, like, Adam Hart Mother, where they would make this giant piece that had, like, a beginning, a middle, an end. Mm-hmm. It would tell a story. So that part you're talking with the drums going... Yeah. If you remember on Saucerful, it starts really mellow, and then the drum loop hits. Yeah. And Nick Mason starts playing this insane tribal drum uh-huh. loop. That I mean, it could fit on, like... One of those African beat albums, like the Exotica albums, yeah. like it could fit on there.
1: Well, and the fact that he plays it and keeps playing it oh my in God. time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we with give
1: everything else going around. We I give mean, Nick
0: Mason a lot of shit, kind of like what we do with Ringo, where like in the later <laughs> years, he just had to show up and play the, yeah. the single beat. But man, he's on fire on Live at Pompeii.
1: Yeah. They're, they are hitting on all cylinders. Double,
0: double kick kit. Mm-hmm. Like it's a huge drum kick. But he's playing that beat and then like the camera pan the, the camera works amazing. Yeah. It does an overhead shot of him playing the beat and then it pans over to Gilmore, who's got his guitar, his strat laid out, and he's cross legged with all these effects pedals yeah. around him. And he's like strumming the guitar, hitting the whammy, twirling effects everywhere, and there's right. like crazy feedback and echoes and and just nuts sand going in the guitar Sand I'm going like, everywhere I mean. and it's like and then it flips over to like Rick richard wright and he's oh, just yeah. like banging the shit oh, out of the man. keys he's not playing yeah. anything just banging no. them
1: but it's going in with yeah like
0: the it's, flow it's, of it's everything the, else. it's the battle it's the yeah. battle in this piece and the camera pans through all of them and it pans with water water's walking in front of the, with the band and the camera stays with him while everybody's beating the shit out of his stuff. And then he grabs that mallet and that gong and just just hammers the shit out of it with the sun behind.
1: That was a great shot. That's
0: an incredible, it's an incredible piece of film and piece of
1: music. It reminded me that music reminded me a lot of 68, 69 Grateful Dead of that whole space segment or a dark star type. Thing when it would just go off the rails yeah, into you just, some... everybody does whatever they want to do yeah instrumentally but yet you're still all somewhat playing together for a constant
0: but then groove. the crazy thing is it goes from this giant battle and then everything calms down and huh. it becomes this beautiful melody with Gilmore singing no words. Yeah. Just singing the vocal piece to go with his guitar mm-hmm. slide, like he's singing them together. Arserville Secrets That's is That's a so highlight. Good. Yeah.
1: Been, or
0: one of them. I'll tell you when I got turned on to this shit was um, around mid-90s. Um, I got into Pink Floyd a little bit with The Wall, as every, as every school starts, kid does. Yeah. I got in a little bit with Dark Side, like Money and a few things. I hadn't really yeah. studied it much. But I went down to – I don't think it was called Sam Ash at the time. It was in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It was probably – called thoroughbred music at the time because it used to be called thoroughbred. And I walked in and walked in towards the guitar room and it was just as they were breaking into the funk scene from Echoes. Yeah. They had they used to have TVs set up everywhere playing they still do playing movies and stuff. And they were playing live at Pompeii. And wow. this was back before you could find it anywhere. Yeah. Like, you know, live at Pompeii for a long time was hard to find on VHS. Super That's hard to find. That's the only way you could get it but nobody around here had it. Yeah. I couldn't find it anywhere. But cuz this started my search for it. Um I was, you know, young impressionable, 13, 12, 13 something like that, and I walked in and saw that TV. I was like, "What's going on?" cuz it was the it was the shot where the camera's panning and you see the back of all their speakers and they yeah. all say like EMI Pink Floyd or whatever or WEM Pink Floyd. And then um I looked up and I could hear it playing here and playing that riff. And then Gilmore hit that guitar part where he starts soloing. Yeah. With just that cacophony of of distortion and crazy. And I was like, What am I it was like one of those like like religious moments yeah. where I just stood there like mouth and game. what is this well i didn't even know it was pink floyd yeah because all i had heard was the wall and this is so far removed
1: from the wall i was like what what and he was like here take this you know
0: i loved clapton i love shit like that i didn't know what this was that i was seeing and he's like uh he goes oh yeah man that's uh that's david gilmore this is this is pink floyd and i was like what are you talking what What is this you know i'd seen paul so i was like this I've only seen, you know, I'd only seen like Pulse, Pulse at the time, right? So I'd only seen like Watered Down. I'd only seen '80s suits and tie Pink Floyd. I didn't know what mm-hmm. this was. So, uh, you know, like, ha ha, you are Pink Floyd. Yeah. So I was looking at the, I was looking at the monitor, and he was like, "Yeah, man, it's it's live at Pompeii." I was like, "Where, where can I find this?" I've only ever seen the Wall movie. I've, you know, I've seen Roger Waters live in Berlin. You yeah. know, in the VHS section. What? Is, and he's like, "Man." You can't get it right now it's out it's it's out of print out of print you can't find it anywhere i got this back in the late 80s man it's like i just like to show it in here because it's so cool and and from then on like my pink floyd obsession just blossomed
1: yeah was that what really sent you into overdrive interstellar overdrive <laughs> <It was>. for <laughs> floyd collecting and all it that it was
0: uh it was i, I definitely that yeah. like just seeing him play that guitar part and how crazy it gets. I was like, I have to learn how to play guitar like that. Yeah. And you know, eventually I started aping his tone and his, mm-hmm. but that performance at Pompeii has been studied by guitarist so much because that tone and that style of playing is so unique to David Gilmour. Like nobody else played guitar like that. He's, he's no different than Clapton or like, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Peter Green, like he's he's one of those guys that he's he's very blues based, right? But he has his own style that no Signature one can sound. no one can mimic that. Yeah. It is his style. Yep. So that so pomp like I think I ended up getting it late '90s on VHS, mm-hmm. and when I finally could sit down and watch it, I just kept watching it. Yeah, because then I got to see all the like making of Dark Side, and I was already so far into Dark Side. I mean, you get to see. The cool thing about the movie is you get to see Waters with a synthesizer working on on the run, yeah. The the second track yeah. from Dark Side, you get to see him like really rocking that synthesizer out.
1: And synthesizer back then,
0: oh, it was, was not. It was brand yeah. new. It was yeah. brand new.
1: Um, I don't know. The first time I heard or saw it, obviously the wall is what I started with. I remember yeah. that in like. I think it was eighty three or eighty four. Oh, man, that's amazing. You know, when it first started, because there was a a friend of mine in English class or whatever. I think his name was Brian Brian Cherry. Yeah. And we used to, we'd you know, you had your notebook, and so I'd on half the notebook I would draw the wall, you know. Yeah. And then you'd write quotes and you know we associated a lot of those quotes with our english teacher at the time which we hated like most people did but i can remember going home and listening to the wall nonstop all the time and then listening to kdf i heard you know money welcome to the machine welcome to the machine and i think i bought a collection of dance hits oh, or great songs or whatever dance songs. you yeah. know cuz it was one of those nice price great sony nice price ones at the time which is a bit
0: of a bummer because that it one's is. got re-recorded music they but, re-recorded money for it but yeah. when you're that age you don't
1: as a 14 year old or something yeah. it didn't matter it was it was great you know did
0: you ever like go through a huge pink floyd period or were they always just kind of there
1: no i probably did um and at that point I started watching like Night Flight and Radio 1990 on the USA network. So then they started showing those videos from the final cut. Oh, which yeah. Which I was like, holy shit, this is weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is like crazy. So, a different
0: kind of crazy. Like it we're, is. We're talking yeah. about a more psychotic version of Pink Floyd oh, by that yeah. time, like a more, in, not psychotic, but just introverted. Roger Waters. Yeah. You, you know. know, the whole final cut thing is. Him sitting on a therapist chair and, and mouthing lyrics while yeah. crazy shit goes on around him.
1: Yeah, in his brain. It's very man. heady. Oh, man. And I think I remember, what were there, like five or six videos? There's five, I think. And five. they and it made, was supposed to make some, a mini it's the, movie the or something. the Final
0: Cut video EP is what they call yes. it.
1: Yeah. So I remember seeing that, and then I listened to the Final Cut, you know, and I'm surprised as a youth. I didn't get depressed and have to go to <laughs> therapy or something.
0: I had trouble with it when I was younger. Oh, I man. couldn't get it. I really couldn't yeah. understand it. All the fun of The Wall, and that's a weird thing to say, but there is some fun to be had in The Wall. All of that fun was, was gone on Final yeah. Cut. You know, oh, The Gunner's man. Dream, Not Now, John. Like, all those songs are, yeah. are uh, you know, the and the one song that kind of has an uplifting tune is Southampton Dock. Mm-hmm. And get your hands off, get your hands off my desert. Yeah. Get your filthy hands off get my your desert. Filthy, yeah. Which is weird as shit. Right. And then like the Southampton Dock is just, it's so hard for us to even understand because it's all just steeped in British mm-hmm. culture and British, yeah, British of the time was you yeah. know Maggie Thatcher and things like that.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. The
0: then, old Maggie what have you done, bit. That's the, right. Yeah. Uh,
1: then the water down Pink Floyd happened you know yeah. and i was there present day for that right and but somehow along that way i found uh Umagama or Umaguma.
0: <laughs> deep man whoa that that's one that they don't even talk about yeah. like that's a really deep weird collection
1: immediately after that is when pompeii happened yeah so that was probably like 88 maybe 87 okay when i first saw it
0: yeah. Where, where did you see it was it like a friend have it or something
1: yeah. yeah on vhs it might have been at sweeney's house actually because yeah. he had all that shit
0: it's one of those where like a friend has it and says man yeah. you gotta see this
1: yeah because at that by that point i was listening to dark side all the time mm-hmm. still listening to the wall wondering what the fuck uh Umaguma is and then kind of moving past that a collection of great dance songs if you
0: could have, i think if you could have had relics at the time that would have helped you out a lot yeah because relics is like a greatest hits of the early years right so that might have helped out a and that one
1: i never really saw in any stores you know it just i don't know
0: i think i bought it on cd in the 90s yeah that was my first intro into the early years but you pink floyd is so tough to get into because there's so many iterations of it even with the same bunch of guys.
1: Right. And if you open up the wrong door at the wrong time. You might hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, there's a lot of old timers that like think when Sid Barrett left, that's it. Yeah. Pink Floyd sucks. Uh, there, There's a ton of yeah. those guys, man. They're the same Purist. guys. that The purists that love Purist. psych rock. And they don't like all that prog rock shit. Right. But, but, yeah,
1: but I don't know. I mean, I see the prog rock side of it, too but i also see the psychedelic jammy side which i think some of that stuff leans more toward well the, than
0: the you know the game. turning point for me with with the prog versus psych version of pink floyd is dark side dark side is where they went more prog and less psych yeah cuz dark dark side's more of like let's let's make an album that's a study on something or a concept piece you know it, it is a concept it piece is concept, on about madness
1: yeah. It's pretty structured too. It, it is, which lends itself. It's
0: structured and unstructured. So there's no storyline, but yet yeah. everything is around the same theme. But, yeah. I, Pompeii to me is like, Pompeii is like the end of that Pink Floyd. Like it's the end of Pink Floyd not knowing who Pink Floyd is, before the before the 70s. There was another period of Pink Floyd not knowing <laughs> who Pink Floyd was in the 80s after yeah. Waters left. Yeah, but. Pompeii, like there's shit on Pompeii that is crazy. Like, like when they do Seamus, the song from metal, Uh you know, the, and they do a weird version of it where they had Rick Wright's dog singing on the microphone. You remember that? Oh yeah. They're all sitting there and Roger's playing acoustic and Dave's playing harmonica and they have a dog singing on the mic. Yeah. You know, and that's like, okay, you guys did too much. You need to, Somebody slipped him a Vicodin. Bring him down. <laughs> like, you guys have done too much. And the thing, and the other reason to watch Pompeii as well is listen to it. I think it's it's fine as a standalone. You can listen it to is. it just fine. You can. Yeah. But watching it, you get this weird backstage kind of banter between the guys mm-hmm. where they're just sitting around at a table bullshitting. Waters comes off as such an arrogant fucking prick.
1: Oh, Do you man. remember the
0: argument about the whether or not there were symbols in the album? Mm-hmm. They were talking about maybe an Alan Parson record or something. I can't remember what record yeah. they were talking about, but somebody said something about the symbols bothering him, and he was like, "Oh, there's no symbols in that pressing. If you hear symbols on the second pressing, then you're just making stuff up in your mind. And then they like <laughs> start going back and forth and, Dave is just like sitting there looking I'm like, what the fuck am I doing right now? What am I doing with my life right now? You could tell he was the guy that wanted to like make a million dollars. Like you can just tell. Waters is the guy that I want everybody to listen to what I have to say.
1: He's the artist.
0: Gilmore is the guy that's like, I just like to make some money. Like, you know, I'm a decent guitar player. I can just. Let's knock this album out. Let's let's knock this out. I can make a little (laughs) money here.
1: That one. And the point where. There's another interview segment with Waters and the guys asking him, "Oh man, what do you find interest or what do you find interesting about your music?" And he'll yeah. say, "What does interesting
0: mean? Yeah, oh, what do you yeah, mean by shit. interesting?" Oh and man!
1: And it's like, dude, man, you're just being an asshole Ugh. to be an asshole.
0: Ugh! They rub their own ass a little yeah. bit there. Yeah. But, I mean, they were in Pompeii by themselves with a French director making this artistic piece. Like, I
1: get it. Can I
0: get some apple pie without crust, please? Without crust. What the fuck?
1: They ate a lot, too, during the movie. Yeah, they kept shooting scenes of them (laughs) eating.
0: Yeah, the apple pie with no crust is one of the most ridiculous things in movies. No crust. Do you want the center? (laughs) God. But then, like, you'll get from that scene to, like showing them working on brain damage yeah. or us and them the uh the us and them uh no it's brain damage where where Gilmore's doing the solo and he takes the headphones off and they start talking back and forth and Waters says it's a little too toppy and he goes <laughs> it's too toppy and he's like yeah it's a little too toppy and he's like all right I guess I'll make it a little less toppy then like there you can see like the fighting in the studio yeah. already
1: that was it. That was you, you can see, wrote. like, he was
0: like, what the fuck does two Toppy even mean? Like, you are up your own ass right yeah. now. But I, I love it. I love that album.
1: Yeah. It's definitely one of those must-sees. It's history yeah. in the making. It's important.
0: And you can grab it on DVD anywhere now. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's an important... Um, history lesson or you know in the whole grand timeline of rock
0: it's an important you know
1: progressive rock whatever
0: they didn't know that dark side was ever going to be as big as it was yeah they knew it was going to be good and in hindsight i think if they would have known dark side was going to be so big they would have spent more time filming them working on dark side
1: probably because
0: it's one of the most interesting parts of the film is to watch them playing parts of dark side and working out how it should sound like watching Richard Wright work out piano pieces for like great gig in the sky yeah and stuff like that's that pretty cool all of that's great to yeah. watch but I mean even if live at Pompeii was just echoes it would be amazing
1: yeah you know and and some of it it would be cool if it was just that does with, it does it irk you a little bit when the they start the dark side and all
0: that stuff. Does it kind of irk you when they cut in and out of the a songs? A little bit.
1: It used to. Now I'm like it's fine. But yeah. it takes away from what it really is, live at Pompeii. Yeah. You know, but it was too short, I believe, and they had to add material to it.
0: Well, I think that
1: to to show it cuz they were going to do the showing yeah. in 72 at the Rainbow Theater or something yeah. in London. And they couldn't get approval from the British the, screening system. Because of
0: time on it. Because of the time. Running time. Yeah. So, But they that director shot out. a lot of footage because the director's cut's 90-some minutes. Yeah. And there's lots of shots of the guys walking around Pompeii, around lava. It's mm-hmm. really cool. It is cool. Uh, the director's cut's really neat because you get a lot of like uh, museum piece shots and mm-hmm. stuff, which is really, really cool. I mean... Yeah. Their music and Pompeii worked together really well. Oh yeah, you know absolutely. This crazy still active volcano with, mm-hmm. you know, careful with that axe or yeah. saucer full of secrets or echoes.
1: Yeah, it and it was it was definitely they were not doing it to boost their career or anything. This was definitely a no, self. It was just for them, you know, just like the when the Grateful Dead went to Egypt. Yeah, they wanted to go the pyramids. Right. And they wanted to play at the pyramids. so we'll do it. We don't care what it costs. What What
0: did you think about um, the version of One of These Days on Live at Pompeii? Do you remember that very oh, much? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, other than Seamus, there's not a bad song on there. I don't think so. And Seamus is just fine. Yeah. It's not even really a song on there. Well,
1: and also, most of the material, if not all of it on there, is better than the studio stuff. hmm which is the mark a of times a great better. band. A million times better. They can better. pull it off live with no audience.
0: <laughs> Pink Floyd were a live band. Yeah, without a doubt. Their their studio albums production wise might be awesome, but musically are, they pale in comparison. Yeah. Grab any grab any Pink Floyd boot from the uh there's there's a great Radio City Music Hall Dark Side of the Moon boot. Mm-hmm. That is phenomenal Yeah, where you can hear them really working out the solos and stuff during Dark Side, which is the same time period as Pompeii. Right, um, yeah. There's also one from 70, 69 or 70 uh, called Smoking Blues that was in, um, what's the place that burned down for like Smoke on the Water? Oh, yeah. What is the name uh, of that? Anyhow, it's, it's that same venue. Right. Floyd played it, Yeah, and that boot is the same like experimental Floyd from Pompeii, and it's incredible.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love a lot of the 77 shows.
0: The later Animals Tour? Yeah. The Animals Tour is pretty
1: aggressive. Yeah. 75 was good, too. Wasn't that some of the Wish You Were Here 75 was Wish You Were Here, yeah. Yeah.
0: 77 is, there's not a lot of really high quality recordings from 77 for some reason. I wonder if the band recorded a lot of that stuff. I don't know. There's one from Boston Gardens. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of where the others are from. But um, I I like those recordings because you get to hear how animals came to be. Yeah. You know, they were calling the songs, You Gotta Be Crazy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Raving and Drooling. Raving and Drooling. That's like Waters comes out and says, this is a new song. It's called Raving and Drooling. I fell on his neck with a scream. (laughs) I was like, damn, <laughs> that's hardcore. Yeah. Like metal bands don't even have songs that are titled that crazy. No, yeah. Raving and drooling, I fell on his neck with a scream was what he was calling that song. And he was calling dogs, you gotta be crazy. Yeah. Sheep was raving and drooling.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: I think they work a little better with the shorter... Yeah, I think so. <laughs> dogs and yeah, sheep. I think so. So yeah, Live at Pompeii, do it up. Do it up, for Surly. Sure. Drink the up. shit out
1: of <laughs> it. Yeah, drink the shit out of it. Preferably while you're watching Live at Pompeii. I think so. And ask a friend if he's